is Fan for Racing Radio, and we are on air. <clears throat> Joining me for our show today is Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Well, thank you, Sharon. Uh, I am actually home, so uh, ready to go, uh, just not fully. So we'll yeah. get going and rolling here, and I'll work with as I can to get ready as we go. Oh, okay, I know we're on a tight schedule here today. So I'll go ahead and do the overview of what we're going to talk about today, and uh, and then we'll uh, kind of come back uh, from that. Anyway, let me go ahead and get started with that. It is in the first half hour, we are going to have some short track news, including a very special update from Slinger Nationals. Brian Everly was there this weekend. He's going to come on. Uh, in a few minutes here, and give us some updates uh, from his uh, visit to uh, that race, and uh, we'll talk to him about more about that then. Uh, afterward, we are going to preview the Arca Menard Series and Arca East Series race that's taking place at Iowa Speedway. Two series, one race, all at Iowa Speedway, and uh, we'll give you the preview and all everything to look forward to there. Also, we'll let you know when the next Darker Rust race is going to be. Then in our next half hour, we're going to give you some updates from the NASCAR Truck Series. They're not racing this weekend, uh, but we'll give you everything you need to know there. And then we're going to preview the NASCAR Xfinity Series race at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. We'll finish that up in our third half hour, and then we will do our preview for the NASCAR Cup Series race also at New Hampshire Motor Speedway this weekend. Now, if time does allow, we'll give you some news and updates from NASCAR's top three national series as well. <clears throat> then, of course, you want to stay tuned for our Hot Topic Sound Off discussion uh, because we are doing a podcast today. Uh, it's just going to be Jay and myself, so it'll probably be a little bit of an abbreviated version <laughs> of our hot topics this week, and then uh, hopefully we'll get back on schedule with that for next week. All right, uh, let me kind of hit on some of the uh, short track news real quick uh, before Brian comes on. I know we've got a lot of uh, news uh, coming up here. There's several races that are taking place uh, starting on July the 14th. The World of Outlaws uh, Sprint Car Series is racing at Eldora Speedway. Uh, you can watch that at 6.15 over on Dirt Vision. Uh, and they'll also have the late models out of Ponderosa Speedway at 7.45. That race is also available on Dirt Vision. Then there's the USAC Midwest Champs at Jefferson City Speedway uh, at 6.05 p.m. That will be on Flow Racing the Dirt Car Summer Nationals at Hartford Speedway at 6.45 p.m. Uh, you can watch that on Dirt Vision. And then the Lucas Oil Modifieds Tri-City Speedway at 7.30 p.m. on Flow Racing. Then we've got the local racing at Mill Ridge uh, Speedway at 6.15, available on Dirt Vision. Uh, there's also the Super Late Models at Delaware International Speedway at 6.30 on Flow Racing, and the NASCAR Weekly Touring Series at the Autodrome Granby is at 6.30 over at Flow Racing. Also at Flow Racing at 6.45 is the Weekly Racing at the Utica Rome Speedway. 
And the Southern Nationals, Beckley Motor Speedway at 7 p.m. on Flow Racing, the weekly racing at Marshalltown Speedway at 7.55 p.m. available on Flow Racing. Then we've uh, also on Flow Racing is the IRA Sprints, River City Speedway, 8 p.m. And finally, we've got at 8.30 p.m. the Comp Cams Late Model at Magnolia Motor Speedway. That's available for live streaming over at Flow Racing. So uh, joining me here today, uh, and he's not here yet, but we do have uh, joining us shortly is going to be Brian Eberly. And again, he was at Slinger Nationals uh, this past weekend. Uh, we invited him to be on Hot Topics, and he wasn't available for our Hot Topic conversation. But he wanted to talk about the Slinger Nationals since he was at the track, and uh, I agreed that he'd probably have a lot to share with us and uh, agreed to have him on. So looking forward to seeing him pretty soon here. Um, I may have to text him. Uh, while we're Jane, waiting uh, for Yeah, Jay? I was going to say, unfortunately, I have an update to give you on one of those you just ran through, the clash at the Mag Magnolia Motor Speedway. They have already called off due to the amount of rain we've had, the saturation uh, of the track. And more forecasted. I drove through some of it today, so the Clash of the Mag has been canceled. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Okay, so, uh, Jay, are you set up now? Uh, no, uh, I don't have Flow Racing or uh, Short Track uh, Racing America up yet. I'm still working with my Do you computer. have the Teams app? Because I've got uh, all of these uh, races that are coming up at the. Uh, oh, yeah. On the Teams app. Yep, that I can access so I just from my the phone. First one. Pardon me. I said I said I did I did get those via the phone, so I can pull those up. Okay, I I did the first one. Uh, let's see. For some reason, they're out of order here. It looks like. Um, if you can do the July 14th short track, uh, they are out of order. While I text. Yep. Uh, um, okay. Let me. See. He's here. Yeah, I'm going to text um, Brian real quick while you read over that. All right. For July 14th, they're going to have the Pro All-Star Series. Uh, that'll be at White Mountain Motorsports Park. It'll be on Racing America. We have a TBA for uh, the time on that. Weekly Racing, that one will come from Stafford Motor Speedway. It'll be on Flow Racing at 5.45 p.m. The IMSA and MSS Super Modifieds, that'll be Berlin Raceway, 6 p.m. Flow Racing. And then the Montana 200 Day 1, which will be at the Mission Valley Super Oval, 10 p.m. Uh, that one's on Racing America. I'm trying to think. I know we had two different ones. That was the dirt. Whoop. Let me, let me go ahead and interrupt one. there. Brian is here. Yep, go ahead. Oh, we're going to go ahead and bring him in the queue. And, Brian, I understand you were at Slinger Nationals this past weekend. Uh, we appreciate you t taking the time to come on and talk about that. Yeah, for sure. Um, obviously, a very historic, um, very well-known short track race and just a really, really cool event on, on Tuesday night in, in Wisconsin. I mean, I think the crowd is always great there. Um, it's been several years since I've had a chance to make it. It was one of those things that I kind of put on my list this year after um, – moving up north to make sure that I made it out for that event. And um, it's an incredible crowd. They actually announced the grandstand sellout, like, 
right before the race. I mean, I'm sure you probably saw some pictures on Twitter from Race in America and others, like for five o'clock qualifying. I mean, the stands were looking nice and full and sporty. And, you know, obviously um, a lot of the, the big names come out for that. Matt Kenseth was there, uh, William Byron, Eric Jones, Chase Elliott, Ty Majeski all in the field. Um, Ty Majeski actually won it, but actually Luke Fenhouse was kind of the dominant car. And unfortunately with a caution with four laps to go led to a battle with Majeski and, and um, Luke. And unfortunately, I mean, I guess, unfortunately for Luke, it, 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 he really deserved that win, man. I was, I was pulling for him. Just nice to see when the, the short track guys are able to, to beat the, you know, the bigger names that come in and run that race, but just an incredible event, incredible crowd, great energy, like just beautiful night for racing too. I, I can't say enough about how awesome that Tuesday night was. Yeah. It sounds like it was a lot of fun and you had good weather, fortunately. Um, and you mentioned that Ty Majeski won that race, uh, but it was Luke Fenhouse. Uh, it looked like he was going to win it for the most part up until uh, they had the, the uh, battle there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he definitely had the dominant car. I thought the car that everyone I, th- I think thought was going to win for sure, um, you know, would have been nice to maybe not have that caution. It was, I forget the name of, of who in turn one, but I think they just dropped something broke in the car actually. So it wasn't even a wreck or, you know, back markers battling oh. too hard or something like that. Like you sometimes see at the end of those end of cup races and things like that. It's kind of unfortunate situation. Obviously Lucas, you know, pretty bummed about it, but I think, uh, you know, handled it well, came up and, you know, shook Ty's hand and you know, obviously Majeski was excited to win his third slinger nationals being a Wisconsin guy and Derek Thorne rounded out the podium there. So real good. Uh, Chase Elliott, William Byron are both in the top 10. Um, unfortunately, Kenseth had a mechanical issue, I believe, pretty early in the race and and was out, so it wasn't really a factor at all. But um, just a great event, and all the drivers were, were out there, you know, mingling with the fans. Chase Elliott was probably out for like 45 minutes for the race, just signing for anybody and taking pictures. And William Byron and Eric Jones are both there pretty late after the race is over, still, you know, hanging out. Um, just kind of really cool to see those guys kind of back in their normal element and not around, you know, the the, the – the right word is, but everything that's required out of a out of a out of a cup race. Mhm. Jay, did you have any questions for Brian? No. Yet again, uh, I know you talked about being at the Chicago Street Race, but just kind of jealous. Uh, that is one of the ones that, unfortunately, even coming from up north, I never got to attend, but certainly a bucket list race. And you talked about that the mingling of these drivers. Uh, yeah, they're still uh, part of the, the normal drivers, but they don't have necessarily the fanfare or sponsor responsibilities. So a race like that where they really get to interact with the fans more. Yeah, it, it really is cool. And, like, they did a they kind of like a VIP meet-and-greet deal with, with Kenseth as kind of the key guy. And uh, Majeski was there as well, a couple other drivers, um, which, which was cool. But, yeah, like they said, they're just all hanging out in the pits, just kind of wandering around like it was kind of almost back before they were, you know, the big names that they are now. Um, obviously, you know, Chase Elliott still brings a big following. There's a ton, even more fans than I was expected, fans in Elliott gear. I think the big miss there is I don't know why they didn't have an Elliott, like, souvenir trailer there, man. I think they could have made a, a killing of merchandise sales. So they need someone to run that for them next year. If Chase runs it again, I'll, I'll happily do that. I feel like they could have sold a ton of Chase merchandise the other night with how many fans were there. Well, the, the one question I'd have for you, Brian, real quick, and I don't know if you've been to the uh, Snowball Derby, but that's kind of been the southern thing. We've talked about a couple different events that maybe equal that when it comes to the northern end. Would you put the Swinger Nationals as one of them? I mean, 
I think I would, but I also feel like maybe I've got that, you know, Midwest Northern bias. The Snowball Derby is definitely one of those kind of, like you said, the singer on your bucket list, kind of on my bucket list. I mean, who doesn't want to go to Florida from the Midwest in December as well? Um, don't know if that'll happen this year, but I think that one, that the Winchester 400 and uh, Slinger, I think have been three of the short track events that I personally really enjoy. Obviously there's a lot of stuff, you know, through the South and the East and kind of everywhere that are our marquee events, I think across, but I think those three to me are just kind of the most special. Winchester always has a really cool feel to it, but there's just something about the Slinger track and the layout and just, you know, where it is, a small little Wisconsin town. It's just kind of just an awesome feel and just really, really great feel and awesome fan atmosphere on uh, on Tuesday night. Well, that was the Winchester 400 is the one we compared recently, Sharon, to uh, the Snowball Derby. So what's your thought? You're kind of in the central, right in the middle of it all. Yeah, yep, that's true. Um, and one of the other things we've been talking about, Mike, or Mike, uh, Brian, is that, uh, you know, Ty Majewski is going for a championship in the truck series. He's also going for a championship in the ASA Stars Tour. Uh, and he that win <laughs> uh, keeps him at the top of the standings uh, in that ASA Stars Tour. Uh, and he's not, he's at the top with the uh, truck series, too. Uh, how's, how did you, how do you feel about that, him going for two separate championships? Sorry, you kind of cut out there for a second. What, what was, uh, what was the question? I, I heard two separate championships and that was it. Talking about oh, Majeski okay. with the trucks and the, are you talking about Majeski with the trucks and the, and the late models? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think that would be, you know, super cool. I think obviously it's, just fun to see him kind of come back and compete in both um, from that, that standpoint. And, you know, obviously he's from, you know, Wisconsin in the Midwest. So it'd be a big deal. I think for him, probably, I mean, probably not as probably, I don't know. I'd, I'd love to ask him that question, which one he would rather win. I, I would think it would be, I, I would think it wouldn't be the trucks actually, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, but it's a great question for him if I ever get a chance to, uh, to ask him that. But I think, um, I think just, you know, coming from, the Midwest and, and things like that. I think that one might be a little bit more special. Obviously, the truck title would, would do probably more for your career and your resume um, over um, over others. But I think just kind of cool, and I think something to watch as we kind of head into the the fall the fall season and the championship battle. Absolutely, I know he made it clear from the beginning he he wants to go after both championships. Uh, he's also part of you know you mentioned he's from Wisconsin. He's part of the Allen Kowicki Driver Development Program. Uh, from years ago when, it, you know, I remember talking to him here on this radio show about being part of that Alan Kowicki Driver Development Program. So uh, Ty Majeski is one of those guys that we've had our eyes on for quite a while. But uh, it'll be fun to see if he's able to capture both championships this year. Okay, uh, Brian. I don't know if we lost you. Are you still there? Yeah, sorry, my phone's been kind of cutting out a little bit. I was uh, trying to pull. I did pull over here, and it's not in a very good area, I guess, to get good reception. So I apologize for that. But yeah, I oh, mean, it's definitely okay. something to watch. I think it'll it'll be fun. Um, maybe we get Majeski on as a, as a guest coming on here, and we'll get into the the fall and kind of get into the heart of the the two the two series championship battles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be fun to do. We'll have to see if we can make that happen. But we're going to have to move on now, Brian. We really appreciate you coming on and talking about your experience out there. It sounds like it was a really good 
uh, event, a sold-out event, and, uh, uh, you know, stay in touch with us and uh, your travels to the tracks over the summer, and we'll continue to have you come back on. Yeah, for sure. And if anyone wants to come up to Slinger ever, or at least you guys, let me know. You got you got some free lodging, so it's only about uh-huh. 25, 30 minutes from, from my place, so nice and close. Oh, sounds very good. Okay, well, we'll uh, stay in touch, and uh, we'll talk to you later, Brian. All right, sounds good. Have a good one, everybody. Bye. Okay, thanks. All right, that sounds like it was a fun event to go to, and uh, I really appreciate Brian coming on and, and talking about it. And the fan activity, you know, with the um, drivers, I, I think that was uh, something special. Well, and you heard the list of names there that he mentioned that were involved with it, whether they be previous or current uh, drivers. That's why I say I think it's building towards uh, the Snowball Derby. I think the Snowball Derby still holds its, uh, holds its own at the top, but there are a couple events that we see these drivers. You mentioned Derek Thorne finishing third coming from the West Coast. Um, we've seen uh-huh. him take his run at the Snowball Derby and some of these other events now here in the East and mid, uh, Mid-America. So that tells you it's growing, and, and I, I feel fortunate. I'm, ha- I'm happy Brian got to go, like I said. A little jealous because that's still on my bucket list to, to attend. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, Jay, we're going to have to really move on here. We've got the Arkham Menard Series and the Arkham Menard Series East, both racing at Iowa Speedway this weekend. They'll be racing the Calypso Lemonade 150 uh, on Saturday, July the 15th. The race should start at 8 p.m. Eastern Time at 7 p.m. Central, and it'll be televised live on Fox Sports 1. Uh, at that time, 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern, they'll be racing 150 laps that will cover a distance of 131.25 miles. So uh, you want to go ahead and get started with our notes here? All right. Let me see if I can get those pulled back up because those were ones you also sent me up. There we go. Okay. Okay. I'll go ahead and do the first one. The Calypso Lemonade one. He is race 9 of 20 for the Arkham Menard Series and race 5 of 8 for the Arkham Menard Series East. The race is also part of both series championships, and it's going to pay full points for both of those series. So one race, two series, and points for both of those series. Well, and when you talk about the points itself, you got to talk about Jesse Love as he enters the Calypso Lemonade 150 with a 43-point advantage over Frankie Munoz in the Arkham Menard Series Championship standings. Love has uh, won four of the last six races with victories coming in Talladega Super Speedway, Kansas Speedway, Charlotte Motor Speedway, and Elko Speedway. Also, William Sawalich enters the Calypso Lemonade 150 with a 13-point advantage over Luke Fenhouse in the Arkham Menard Series East Championship standings. Sawalich has won two of the first four races at Five Flags Speedway and again at Flat Rock Speedway, while Fenhouse scored the victory at Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway. Sawalich uh, has also won the Arkham Menard Series, taking the victory at Berlin Raceway. So uh, we should have a lot of fun watching this one. And the Arkham Menard Series has raced at Iowa Speedway now 15 previous times with 14 different race winners. 
And those include, going back to 2006, Stephen Wallace, Frank Kimmel did it in 2007, Matt Hawkins in 2008, 2009 it was Parker Kligerman, starting the decade of Tom Hessert III in 2010, Ty Dillon in 2011, Alex Bowman 2012, then Grant Infinger in 13, Mason Mitchell in 2014, Chase Briscoe in 2016, Dalton Sargent in 17, Sheldon Creed in 18, next was in 19 was Chandler Smith, Chandler Smith, sorry, and then we had a back-to-back, Ty Gibbs did it in 20 and 21, and Brandon Jones in 2022. There's also been 19 previous Arkham Menard Series East races at Iowa Speedway. Those winners include Joy Logano in 2007, Brian Ickler in 2008, Kyle Busch in 2009, Max Gresham in 2010, Brett Moffitt in 2011, Chase Elliott won in 2012, Corey LaJoy in 2013, Cole Custer in 2013, Ben Rhodes in 2014, Brandon Jones, he won in 2014 and 2022. Brandon McReynolds won twice in 2015. And it was Todd Gilliland in 2016 and 17. Tyler Ankrum in 2018. Sam Mayer in 2019. And Ty Gibbs in 2021. Well, two of those we're going to talk about again. The two previous Arkham and Series and Arkman Erdser's East Combination races at Iowa Speedway. That was in 2021 with Ty Gibbs and 2022 with Brandon Jones. The Arkman Art Series track qualifying record was set at the track's first season in 2006 by Stephen Wallace. Wallace's first lap was 22.932 seconds. That's 137.357 miles per hour. That's a long-standing record. Well, it is. And imagine this. Kyle Busch actually still holds the records when it comes to the Arkham Menard Series East track qualifying record. And that was set in 2009, was 23.285 seconds, which equals 135.484 miles per hour. And there is going to be two five-minute breaks. At or around lap 50 and again at lap 100. For, that will allow teams to change tires, add fuel, and make adjustments and or repairs. Teams cannot change tires, add fuel, and add fuel at the same time. Teams will be allowed six tires in their pit box this weekend. And the note uh, here, uh, should the race need to be extended into overtime, the Arkham Menard Series, there will be an unlimited attempt at a two-lap green-white checkered finish. If the yellow flag is displayed after the white flag has been displayed, then there will be unlimited attempts at a one-lap green-white checkered, or a green, sorry, green and white together checkered finish. Okay. Uh, I want to for the Calypso 150. Uh, it's a pretty good-sized entry list. Uh, we, ha- we haven't mentioned A.J. Moyer. He'll be in the, the A06. He hails from Tampa, Florida. His sponsor this weekend for his Toyota is the River Edge Cottages and RV Park, JRCPays.com. That's a Wayne Peterson car, and Nate Muller will be on top of the pit box. 
And Alex Club will be in the 03 that he owns. Brian Club will be his crew chief. And that is a Ford machine with racing with Mason on the side of it. Club comes out of Morris, Illinois. Okay, from Greenwood, Indiana, is Brayton Laster. He'll be driving the 01 Chevrolet uh, for Hillenburgs. Uh, he'll have JunkCarBlaster.com on the side of his Chevrolet and Nathan Davis on top of the pit box. The 98, that'll be Dale Shearer behind the wheel coming out of Alhambra, Illinois. He's a self-owned machine with Shearer Speed, Toyota, and Alex Malkike is the crew chief. Will Kimmel will be on top of the pit box this week for the number 69, driven by Scott Melton out of Rockford, Michigan. He'll be driving that Kimmel Toyota with Melton McFadden Insurance and Donna's Donuts as sponsors on the side of the car. Mike Truth is the one calling the shots for the number 66 Chevrolet of Dustin Hillenberg, listed as the owner. Driver is John Garrett out of Athens, Texas, and he brings along the Venture Food Store sponsorship. Okay, the familiar number 48, driven by Brad Smith from Shelby Township, Michigan, have Copria on the side of his Ford this weekend. He'll be, uh, he's the owner, but Jeff Smith is going to be his crew chief. Tony Constantino holding the wheel of the number 45 Ford with Enrique Tamio listed as the owner. Riley Higgins, the crew chief on that Infinite Source Communication Group's machine. Driving the number 43 Chevrolet for Enrique Tamayo is Jalen Mack from Apple Valley, California. His sponsor on the side of his Chevrolet is Infinite Source Communications Group. And Tony Cosentino, in addition to driving that number 45, will be calling the shots for that number 43. As always, representing West Virginia, got Christian Rose in the number 32 Ford of Kevin Sawinski. As it's West Virginia Department of Tourism as the sponsor, Rose comes out of Martinsburg, West Virginia. He's got Ryan Loudon in his ear. Tim Goulet will be uh, in the ear of Rita Goulet, who's behind the wheel of the number 31 Chevrolet for their race team. She comes from McCalla, Alabama, and will have auto DNA collision in detail on the side of her Chevrolet. An actor-turned-racer, the number 30 is Frankie Munoz out of Scottsdale, Arizona, in the Rhett Jones Racing Ford, owned and and crew chief by Mark Rhett. Shane Huffman will be the crew chief for the number 28 Chevrolet, uh, driven by Luke Fenhouse from Wausau, Wisconsin. He'll have Chevrolet performance on the side of the Webb Chevrolet. The 25 for Venturini is going to be Tony Bridinger in that Toyota. Kevin Reed Jr. atop the box for FP Movement. Bridinger comes out of California, Hillsboro, California, as a matter of fact. Jesse Love will be driving the other Venturini entry, the number 20, Yahoo Toyota. Uh, And uh, Jesse hails from Redwood City, California. Shannon Rush will be on top of that Venturini Chevrolet. Or, I'm sorry, Toyota. Left my mouth. Another, to- another Toyota is going to be the number 18 Joe Gibbs Toyota 
That's with uh, Eden Prairie, Minnesota driver William Solich. Got the stock Starkey Sound Gear machine. Rolling with Matt Ross helping out. Okay, Caden Lapovich will be the crew chief for another Venturini-owned Toyota, the number 15, driven by Connor Jones from Fredericksburg, Virginia. He'll have Jones' utility on the side of his car. The Hillenberg, Michelle Hillenberg-owned number 12 Ford. That's going to have Sawyer, Michigan's Matt Kemp behind the wheel, picking up the sponsor from the Remax Harbor Country and Dick Delhaney making the calls. Driving the number 11 Hillenburg Toyota is Zachary Tinkle from Speedway, Indiana. He'll have racing for rescues and track racing on the side of his Toyota and Todd Parrott on the top of his pit box. Another Hillenburg Toyota will be the number 10 with Tim Moreau driving and making his own calls as crew chief. Comes out of Elmwood, Illinois and has the Universal Technical Institute, UTI, as a sponsorship. Driving the number six Max Siegel Chevrolet is LeVar Scott from Carney's Point, New Jersey, and Jay Lupo will be on the pit box. And the other final entry, the other Max Siegel uh, Incorporated sponsored and owned is the number two Chevrolet driver is Andres Perez de Lara out of Mexico City, Mexico, and he's got Jamie Jones helping him out. And that is your entry list for the Calypso 150. This is a combination event taking place out at Iowa Speedway uh, this weekend, and it will be broadcast on Fox Sports 2. So uh, definitely looking forward to that race. Uh, We're going to move on, Jay, now to our uh, notes for New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Uh, But one series that is not racing this weekend is the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series. Their next race is the CRC Brake Lean 150 uh, at Pocono Raceway on Saturday, July the 22nd. Time is at noon Eastern time. It will be televised on Fox Sports 1, 11.30 a.m. Eastern, as well as radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. Um, They will cover a distance of 150 miles over 60 laps. Uh, The first two stages are 15 laps apiece. So stage one ends on lap 15, stage two on lap 30, and the final stage is 30 laps and will end on lap 60. Before we move on, though, I forgot to mention when the next ARCA West race is. It will be at Shasta Speedway, July the 29th, 11.30 p.m. Eastern Time. They'll race the Shasta 150, and it will be streamed live on Flow Racing. My apologies for that, but let's go ahead and cover our notes here for the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series. Well, the first note we got is Caden Honeycutt is going to join Nice Motorsports there at Pocono Raceway. It'll be the eighth time this year that Caden Honeycutt will return to the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series, this time at Pocono Raceway. And he'll be teaming up with Nice Motorsports in the number 44 Chevrolet Silverado. The 19-year-old Texas native turned heads earlier this season after several strong performances at some of the toughest tracks. He's earned four top 15 finishes and seven starts, including a ninth at the Bristol Dirt Track and 10th at Darlington. 
Okay. Also, um, the Snoko Rookie of the Year update, and the battle continues on. Uh, the Sunoco Rookie class has traversed their way through 14 races with just two races left in the regular season. We're going to take a deeper look at where they're sitting as they prepare to take on the Tricky Triangle at Pocono. Now, leading the rookie pack this uh, right now at 386 points is Nick Sanchez piloting that number two Rev Racing Chevrolet. He posted a ninth place finish last week at Mid-Ohio that earned him the Sunoco Rookie of the Race Award for the third time this season. Now Sanchez continues to be the highest finishing rookie so far and his best finish was a second place at Atlanta. Now, following suit in the second-place spot is Sunoco Rookie of the Year standings is Bill McAnally Racing's Jake Garcia at 308 points. Garcia posted a 16th-place finish at the famed Mid-Ohio race last weekend, and the driver in the number 35 Chevrolet has also earned three Sunoco Rookie of the Race awards this season. His best finish in 14 races is at fifth place at Texas Motor Speedway. And uh, Sal was telling us on Monday that uh, he spoke to Bill McAnally, and they're putting a lot of resources behind getting Jake Garcia into uh, the playoffs this year. So watch, uh, watch for more there. Uh, hanging steady in third place at 247 points is GMS Racing's Daniel Dye. Dye turn, returns from Mid-Ohio after posting a 14th place finish. The Dillon, Florida native's best finish so far this season is in the 11th place at Gateway. And tied for fourth and fifth are GMS Racing's Raja Karuth and Tricon Garage's Taylor Gray at 238 points. Caruth's best finish this season was a, was a sixth place at Darlington. Gray's best finish was an eighth place at Martinsville. Rounding out the rookie class with 200 points is Brett Holmes Racing's very own Brett Holmes in the number 32 Chevrolet. Holmes' best finish this season was a 13th place finish at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Now we're going to take a look at the drivers that are in when it comes to the playoff field. Now we've got two races left to set that playoff field. So the battle to advance is heating up. Right now we've got locked in six drivers uh, in the 2023 NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series by wins. Zane Smith with two at Daytona and Coda. Christian Eckes picked up wins at Atlanta and Darlington. Carson Hosevar, two at Texas and Nashville. Corey Heim also has a pair, Martinsville and Mid-Ohio. Then you got Grant Enfinger, who had wins at Kansas and Worldwide Technology Raceway. And Ben Rhodes with the win at Charlotte. One driver that we have in a, with a points cushion of 95 points over that playoff cut line following Mid-Ohio, and he's in seventh points, and that's Thor Sport Racing's Ty Majeski. Talked about him running for dual championships. Uh, Matt DiBenedetto is Rackley War Racing, as follows behind in by five, or he's plus five points. He's in eighth, the eighth spot, up five points on the cut line. So now two points above the cut postseason cut line, ranked ninth in the Truck Series playoff outlook. That's Red Racing's Nick Sanchez. And then behind him, 
If there's any more room, uh, the number 88 Thor Sport Racing Ford of Matt Crafton, who is one point above the cut line. And now we got another 10 drivers that sit outside the playoff cut line but only have two more races to earn their way in to the playoffs. Halmar Friesen, Stuart Friesen, is 11th in the playoff standings. That He's the one point behind Crafton. And Tricon Garage's Tanner Gray sits 24 points off that final playoff spot. Uh, following those two, Chase Purdy, 40, 49 points back. Tyler Ankrum, minus 79. Jake Garcia, minus 77, it says. That would put him above Ankrum. But Daniel Diet, minus 138. Raja Karuth is minus 147. Taylor Gray, 147 back. Haley Deegan is 154 out. And Colby Howard at minus 169. Now, there are some clinch scenarios via points. Uh, if there's a repeat winner by a win or a win by a driver who cannot advance to the playoffs, drivers could clinch by being 56 points above the fourth winless driver in the standings. The same point requirements uh, would hold true if a new win comes from Ty Majeski, Matt DiBenedetto, or Nick Sanchez. Majeski would clinch with 12 points, um, 14 if the Matt DiBenedetto wins, and then 15 if Nick Sanchez wins. Matt DiBenedetto, though, and Nick Sanchez can only clinch with help. Excuse me. If the new winner is Matt Crafton or another winless driver lower in the standings but eligible to advance, then the 56 points would have to be above the third winless driver. Majeski could still do it uh, with 16 points, whereas Matt DiBenedetto can only do it with some help. Uh, all of the drivers mentioned can win in advance. There's a couple, though, that uh, were mathematically out as far as points. So I want to hit on them. Brett Holmes, Dean Thompson, Lawless Allen, and Spencer Boyd. They are already in the must-win scenario. Now, the regular season championship with two races to go gives 15 bonus points. Corey Himes, your current leader, he still can only clinch with some help. So it is possible, but he needs some help. Okay. Uh, let's also take a look ahead at the Pocono Raceway, where the Truck Series will be racing next, again on July the 22nd. It's known as the Tricky Triangle for its triangular 2.5-mile layout. Pocono has held National Series events since the inaugural Cup Series race there in 1974, when Richard Petty captured the checkered five flag piloting the number 35 Dodge. Since the Truck Series began racing at that famed track in 2010, part-time driver and owner Kyle Busch of Kyle Busch Motorsports, Kyle Busch has been the only repeat winner. He won there in 2015 and again in 2018. Uh, that track is, Pocono, is Nessa, Pocono Raceway is nestled in the Pocono Mountains. No full-time Craftsman Truck Series driver has ever returned to Victory Lane there. Several current full-time drivers have experienced winning at Pocono Raceway outside of the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series, though. A total of six drivers have taken the checkered flag at Pocono from the Arkham Art Series. That includes Christian Eckes, Ty Majeski, Zane Smith, Grant Infinger, Corey Heim, and Taylor Gray. 
Four of those drivers were already multi-time winners this season and have locked themselves into the Truck Series playoffs. Eckes, Smith, Infinger, and Heim. Ty Majeski and Taylor Gray are looking to grab their first victory of the season at Pocono this coming week. So, uh, again, not this weekend, but the following weekend, we can see the Truck Series back on track. Well, and I mentioned him being the point leader. It is high time for the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series. Uh, through rain or shine and everything that we've had in between, Tricon Garage's Corey Heim battled his way into victory lane at the Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course and secured his second victory of the season and fourth of his series career. Now, victory extends his NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series driver point standings lead to 26 points, and that's over front row motorsports Zane Smith in second, and he brought his playoff points total to a series lead in 15. And driver of the number 11 Tricon Garage Toyota held off repeated challengers on four restarts in those final 21 laps at Mid-Ohio and managed to edge reigning Craftsman Truck Series champion Zane Smith by .947 seconds. 30 of the 67 scheduled laps, the victory for the 21-year-old makes him the fifth multi-race winner this season. And Smith, who settled for the runner-up spot for the second straight year, had to start from the rear of the field after his team made repairs to the transmission of the number 38 Ford, but managed to charge to the front through the heavy traffic. The two-time winner and driver of the number 19, McAnally Hildeman Racing Chevrolet, Christian Eckes, ran a solid race and finished third. Now, this season, Heim is running at full throttle as he's put up two wins, six top fives, 13 top 10s and three poles. Time is just two races left to try and close out this regular season. Uh, Pocono Raceway, and then we'll wrap up at Rich, Richmond Raceway as he's looking to win the regular season championship along with those additional 15 bonus playoff points. As we look ahead to Pocono Raceway, Heim made his Craftsman Truck Series debut at the Tricky Triangle last season where he started 17th and then raced his way up to a top-five finish of fourth. So that bodes pretty well for him. It sure does. Okay, we're going to go ahead and move on now to the NASCAR Xfinity Series. They are racing this weekend at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Uh, they'll be racing the M Better Health 200 this Saturday, July the 15th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. It will be televised on the USA Network starting at 2.30 p.m. Eastern, along with radio coverage on PRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. They'll be racing a distance of 211.6 miles over 200 laps. First two stages are 45 laps apiece. First stage ends on lap 45. The second stage ends on lap 90. And then the final stage is 110 laps, ending on lap 200. What do we have here in the Xfinity Series, Jay? Well, some exciting news to start with, I think. So anyway, Rajah Karuth is set to race at New Hampshire. He's a NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series regular, Rajah Karuth. He'll be joining Alpha Prime this weekend for his fifth NASCAR Xfinity start of this 2023 season. Again, he'll get behind the number 44 Chevrolet for Alpha Prime. Now, this will be his first start in the Xfinity Series at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. 
His previous four starts this season, he's posted a best finish of 21st, and that was out at Auto Club in California. Okay, some other good news here is the Xfinity Series regular this year, Cole Custer, is going to go for his second Cup Series start of the year. Stuart Haas Racing's Cole Custer, who ran a full-time NASCAR Cup Series schedule last season, made a deal to pilot the number 51 Ford for Rick Ware Racing for three Cup races this season. His first race came last weekend at Atlanta Motor Speedway, where he finished 32nd in the rain-shortened event. Now Custer will join the RWR team again this weekend at New Hampshire Motor Speedway and will wrap up at Pocono Raceway. He made three Cup Series starts at the New Hampshire track. He's posted one top ten finish there. So we'll see if he can do better than that this weekend. Well, a lot of the focus, though, is going to be on the NASCAR Xfinity Series playoffs as we got nine races to go for them with five open spots still remaining. Now, with another win by Joe Gibbs Racing's John Hunter Nemechek last weekend at Atlanta Motor Speedway, those five still five spots are still up for grabs for the 2023 NASCAR Xfinity Series playoffs, as the regular season again has nine races left. The following seven drivers already earned their spot into the playoffs by virtue of their wins. Mentioned John Hunter Nemechek, Austin Hill, Cole Custer, Justin Allgaier, Chandler Smith, Sammy Smith, and Jeb Burton. So currently in the A spot in the playoff outlook is junior motorsports Josh Berry, who made it to the championship four round of the playoffs last season. And Berry has posted seven top fives and 11 top tens this season thus far, currently 84 points above the postseason cut line. Berry has made two starts already at New Hampshire in the Xfinity Series, uh, posting one of them as a top 10 finish of eighth. After a fifth-place finish last week in Atlanta, Motor, uh, Atlanta Junior Motorsports Sam Mayer, he moved up in the standings, now sitting in the ninth spot in the playoff outlook, 46 points above the cut line. Like his JRM teammate, Barry Mayer has made just two starts at New Hampshire, but his best finish at the 1.058-mile track is 15th coming in 2022. Next in line in the playoff outlook is College Racing's Daniel Hemrick, and he's in the 10th spot, 41 points to the good over Parker Kligerman in the first spot outside the playoff cut line of 13th. The 2021 NASCAR, or 2021 Xfinity Series champion has put up two top fives, nine top tens this season. And if he can hold on to the postseason spot, he will, make, he will look to make the playoffs for the fifth time in his career, going from 2017 to 18 and then says 2012 to 2022, but I'm thinking that's supposed to be 2021 and 2022. Next is Richard Childress racing Sheldon Creed. He slides in in the 11th spot in the playoff outlook. He's got 26 points to the good of the postseason cut line. This season, the California native has collected two top fives, six top tens, and a pole in the Xfinity Series. Creed will be one to watch this weekend as he made his Xfinity Series New Hampshire Speedway Motor New Hampshire Motor Speedway debut last to the fifth place finish. Sitting in the hot and final transfer spot on points is 12th 
In the outlook is Stuart Haas Racing's Riley Herbst. Herbst is in his fourth full-time season in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, still looking, though, for his first win, but it's not slowing him down. Herbst heads into this weekend just six points up on Parker Kligerman in 13th, that first spot outside the cut line. Herbst is from Las Vegas, Nevada, has posted three top fives and seven top tens on the season. He's made just two starts at New Hampshire in the Xfinity Series as well. He posted a top 10 finish in 2021. Herb's closest competition, Parker Kligerman, in that 13th spot, six points back. Kligerman has put up a three top fives and seven top tens for the year. It's been a while since Kligerman has run in the Xfinity Series at the 1.058-mile track. He made his one and only start in his series track debut at New Hampshire, back in 2013, where he finished 20th. All right. We'll go ahead and move on now uh, to talking about uh, the fact that New Hampshire Motor Speedway is a place to first for many drivers. It's a memorable and special place for several drivers as it's provided first in their NASCAR NASCAR Xfinity Series careers. They don't call it the magic mile for nothing. Now, a total of 47 different drivers have made their first Xfinity Series career start at New Hampshire, including most recently Julia Landauer in 2022. Uh, There's also Dawson Cram, who did it uh, in... Oh, my gosh, there's so many here. There's 47. I'm not going to list all of them. But there are a ton of drivers who made their first starts at uh, New Hampshire Motor Speedway, 47 uh, to to be exact. Four drivers earned their first pole in the series at the New Hampshire track, including Josh Berry in 2022, Landon Castle in 2008, Jamie McMurray in 2004, and Michael McLaughlin in 1995. Another two drivers have earned their first Xfinity career win at New Hampshire Motor Speedway, including Bobby Hamilton Jr., who posted his first Xfinity Series win in 2002. And the 1990 Daytona 500 winner, Derek Cole, posted his first Xfinity Series win in 1994. So, uh, wow, there's a... A list. I'm just going to list the names very quickly. I'm not going to give you the dates, but this starts in 1990 and goes all the way through to 2022. We already mentioned Julia Landauer in that year. Starting from the 1990s, we had Rodney Franklin, Derek Cope, Tommy Kendall, Barney McRae. They all won their uh, started their first race there in 1990s. In 91, it was Glenn Sullivan, Jamie Tomeno, and Bob Br- Brunel. In the 1992 season, it was Tom Bowles, Babe Branscombe, uh, Mike Berry, and Mike Stefanik all making their first starts at New Hampshire. In 93, it was Andy Santeri, Brian Ross, Gary Clark, and Tom Bowles. Well, Tom Bowles was... Uh, 92. In 94, two drivers, Jeff Neal and Tom Rosati. In 95, just one driver, Jerry Marquis. In 96, a couple of drivers, Bill Hoff and Mike Cope. Uh, 
In 97, three drivers, Brad Layton, Kevin Grubb, and Wayne Grubb, all making their first start at, at New Hampshire. Mark McFarlane made his first start there in 98. Uh, then it was Jamie Skinner in 1999. In 2002, it was Mike Johnson, Tammy Jo Kirk in 2003. In 2004, it was Matt Kobielak. In 2005, we have a couple of drivers, Dale Quarterly and Ryan Moore. In 2006, it was Peyton Sellers. In 2007, Danny Elflin and Eddie McDonald. And in 2008, it was J Charles Lewandowski. In 2009, uh, Chase Matoli making his first start at New Hampshire. Kevin Swindell in 2010, Matt Bram in 2011, 2013, three drivers, Brett Butler, Chad Hackenbrack, and Brian Priest all making their first starts at New Hampshire. Also, Brendan Newberry in 2014, Todd Peck in 2015 along with Matt Wallace that same year, Scott Heckert in 2016, Donald Figge in 2018, C.J. McLaughlin in 19, and Dawson Cram in 2021, along with that Julia Dow Landauer, who made her first start in 2022. Uh, so some very familiar names there, Jay. Yeah, I love that. I love those lists of that, bringing back some of those memories with those names. Now, drivers that make the magic on the New Hampshire Mile. With time winding down before the playoffs, all the drivers, especially those who haven't yet secured their postseason spot, will be sure to put on a show for fans as they race to the finish line this weekend. But there are some drivers who have an edge heading into New Hampshire Motor Speedway. As the only driver in the field that has landed in victory lane at the 1.058-mile New Hampshire track, Junior Motorsports' Justin Allgaard definitely has an advantage and he'll be looking to post his second win of the season to move up in the standings this weekend. In 11 starts at New Hampshire, he's put up one win in 2022, three top fives, and eight top tens. If Algar wins this weekend, he'll become just the third driver all-time to win consecutive races at New Hampshire Motor Speedway in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, joining Kyle Busch from 2009 to 11 and 16 and 17, and Christopher Bell, who did it in 2019 and 2021. Now, although Stuart Haas of Racing's Cole Custer is yet to win in the New Hampshire or at the New Hampshire 1.058 mile track in the Xfinity Series, he's got some good numbers. In three starts, he's posted one top five, three top tens, and snagged the pole in 2019. 25-year-old driver also heads into the weekend riding a wave of 11 consecutive top 10 finishes this season. Now, plus, keep in mind that if Custer won his first NASCAR National Series race at New Hampshire in the Craftsman Truck Series back in 2014, and the win set the record for the youngest winner in Truck Series history at the age of 16 years, 4 months, and 22 days. And Richard Childress Racing's Austin Hill only has one start at New Hampshire Motor Speedway in 2022. We posted a seventh-place finish, but he's done well on other one-mile tracks this season. He finished seventh at Phoenix Raceway and fourth at Dover Motor Speedway. He currently sits in the second in the Xfinity Series standings, just 16 points behind the standings lead. 
This season, Hill has amassed a total of three wins coming at Daytona, Las Vegas, and Atlanta, nine top fives, 13 top tens, and led a total of 236 laps. So he's another one you want to keep your eye on. He sure is. Okay, now New Hampshire Motor Speedway is going to set the stage for the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Last weekend at Atlanta Motor Speedway, it was an eventful race at the 1.454-mile track that saw John Hunter Nemechek snag his third win of the season in an impressive overtime finish. The Xfinity Series now heads to New Hampshire for the Ambetter Health 200 this Saturday, but there have been 35 NASCAR Xfinity Series races at New Hampshire's Magic Mile, producing 27 different race winners and 20 different pole winners. Nine races were won from the pole or the first starting spot, most recently by Kyle Busch in 2017. Two-time NASCAR Cup Series champion Kyle Busch has set quite a few records at New Hampshire Motor Speedway in his stints in the Xfinity Series. He's posted the most wins at six. He's led the most laps at 740, and he's tied with Kevin Harvick for the most top fives with nine apiece. He also set the track's race record in 2009 with his speed of 111.925 miles per hour and his qualifying record with his 2013 speed of 131.916 miles per hour. Cup Series regular Christopher Bell was on a winning streak at the track, snagging the checkered flag in three consecutive races in 2018, 19, and 21. Bell didn't race in last year's Xfinity Series race, uh, leaving space for junior motorsports Justin Algauer to post his first New Hampshire Motor Speedway win. He is the only previous winner that's entered this weekend. Now, the NASCAR Xfinity Series drivers will take to the grid for practice at 5.05 p.m. Eastern on Friday, July the 14th, followed by qualifying at 5.35 p.m. Eastern. It will be televised on the USA Network and streamed on the NBC Sports app. So uh, a lot to look forward to in that Xfinity Series race this weekend, Jay. It certainly right. is. Uh, I know I uh, listen to the Sirius XM radio. It's one of the more popular tracks uh, that fans kind of feel like maybe do deserve a second date still. Yeah, I hear that a lot. Uh, even from the commentators, they talk about uh, the fan engagement at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. It's it's one of the uh, highest fan engagement tracks, I think, that uh, NASCAR has. All right, let's move on to the NASCAR Cup Series. They're going to race the Crayon 301 at New Hampshire Motor Speedway this Sunday, July the 16th at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time. It will be televised on the USA Network starting at 2 p.m. Eastern, as well as on the radio at PRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. The distance is 318.46 miles and They'll do that over 301 laps. First stage ends on lap 70. Second stage will end on lap 185. That's 115 laps. And then another 115, well, 16 laps. The final stage will end on lap 301. What do we have for the cup? 
right. Uh, the first note we got is for Kansas, actually, later on down the road. But Sheldon Creed is going to make the Cup Series, his Cup Series debut with Live, Mo- Live Fast Motorsports. Now, Live Fast Motorsports announced that they and Sheldon Creed will be teaming up with the Wheelan Engineering to take on Kansas Speedway coming up on September 10th, 2023, in the number 78 Cup Chevrolet Camaro. And Creed will attempt to make his NASCAR Cup Series debut. Now, Sheldon is from El Cajon, California, currently is competing full-time in the Xfinity Series for Richard Childress Racing. In total, Creed has made 54 career Xfinity Series starts and 74 NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series starts. Creed won the 2020 NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series Championship and has won eight times in the Truck Series. Creed also won the 28 Arkham Menard Series Championship and has four wins in that series. Wow. Okay, now the Cup Series is also testing at New Hampshire Motor Speedway, and NASCAR will hold a two-day test at New Hampshire Motor Speedway on Monday, July the 17th, and Tuesday, July the 18th. That's early next week. That will be following the track's NASCAR weekend. Participants will include Christopher Bell, who drives the number 20 for Joe Gibbs Racing in a Toyota, then Harrison Burton is driving the number 21 Ford for Wood Brothers. William Byron will be behind the wheel of the 24 Chevrolet for Hendrick Motorsports. And Justin Haley is driving the number 31 Chevrolet for Colleague Racing. And Ryan Priest is behind the wheel of the number 41 Ford for Stuart Hawes Racing. And finally, it's Eric Jones driving the number 43 Chevrolet for Legacy Motor Club. So uh, look for news about that testing session. I think so. Uh, There should be some good news coming out of there, or at least feedback, so we'll see how that goes. Um, Some other news, though, that kind of uh, resurfaced now is NASCAR's Garage 56, as they're taking that program to the Goodwood Festival of Speed. It's been a month since NASCAR's Garage 56 car successfully completed the 24 Hours of Le Mans, and the innovative program will return to participate in the Goodwood Festival of Speed in Hillcombe in West Sussex, England. Garage 56 drivers Mike Rockefeller and Jensen Button will pilot the number, or the Garage 56 program backup car, which is identical to the number 24 Chevrolet Camaro ZL1 that completed 285 laps on the 8.4 mile Circuit de la Sarthe in June, uh, up the 1.16 mile hill seven times over four days. The entry will be part of a celebration of NASCAR's 75 year history that includes several cars from throughout NASCAR history. Let's see, the schedule gives a schedule here. Um, Garage 56 Hill Climb schedule, Thursday, July 13th, 2.30 p.m. I don't even know what DST stands for. What is it? No, I was just saying that he'll be in the car two different times. 12.30 p.m., uh, that's the time zone for that uh, country. That, yeah, that's what I said. I was like, I don't know what BSD stands for, but it'll be 9.30 a.m. Eastern time. Um, that'll be Mike Rockefeller. Um, on Friday, July 14th 
at 9:10 BST or 4:10 AM Eastern Time. That'll be Jensen Button. Then Rockefeller again, uh, 3:10 BST or 10:10 AM Eastern Time. Moving to Saturday, July 15th. Just give the Eastern Time. All right. Uh, on July 15th at 3:30 AM, it'll be Rockefeller. Then at 9:55 AM, it'll be Jensen Button. Rockefeller will be back in the car at 4.15 a.m. Eastern Time. And wrapping up at 4.50 or 10.50 Eastern Time will be Jensen Button. Now, the Garage 56 project is a partnership between NASCAR, Hendrick Motorsports, Chevrolet, and Goodyear, which is the winningest team manufacturing tire in the sport's 75-year history. Very cool. Okay, NASCAR announces their nominees for the NASCAR Hall of Fame class for 2024. Fifteen nominees uh, of the 2024 class and five nominees for the Landmark Award for Outstanding Contributions to NASCAR were announced this week. Second-time Cup Series champion duo Jimmy Johnson and Chad Canals joined the modern-era ballot together in their first year of eligibility. Donnie Allison, an original member of the favorite Alabama gang, joins the Pioneer ballot for the first time. Ten nominees appear on the Modern Era ballot, five on the Pioneer ballot, designed to honor those whose careers began more than 60 years ago. Two Modern Era candidates and one Pioneer candidate will be elected as a class of 2024. Longtime NASCAR executive Les Richter joins the Landmark Award ballot for the first time after being on the Hall of Fame ballot three times before the award was created. The Landmark Award honors those who made significant contributions to the growth and esteem of NASCAR. The NASCAR Hall of Fame voting panel will meet in person to discuss the vote for the class of 2023 and Landmark Award on Wednesday, August 2nd. The 61-person panel remains unchanged from last year, apart from reigning champion Joey Logano, who replaces Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott. Both of those divers voted last year due to the COVID-19 pandemic delay. The 62nd vote goes to the winners of the NASCAR.com fan vote, uh, and fans can vote at NASCAR.com slash Hall of Fame. The fan vote is currently open and will close on July 30th at 12 a.m. Eastern Time. The Modern Era Ballot and Landmark Award nominees were selected by Nomination Committee, which consists of representatives from NASCAR, the NASCAR Hall of Fame, track owners from major facilities, and historic short tracks. The Honors Committee, largely comprised of all living Hall of Famers, the Landmark Award winners, and Squire Hall Award winners, and selected, they selected the Pioneer ballot. Following are the NASCAR Hall of Fame Class of 2024 nominees and the Landmark Award nominees. The Modern Era ballot includes Neil Bonnet, who won 18 times in the Cup Series, including consecutive Coca-Cola 600 victories, Tim Brewer, a two-time NASCAR Cup Series champion and crew chief, 
Jeff Burton, who won 21 times in the Cup Series, including Southern 500 and two Coca-Cola 600s. Carl Edwards, winner of 28 Cup Series races and the 2017 Xfinity Series champion. Harry Gant, winner of 18 Cup Series races, including two Southern 500 victories. Harry Hobbs, the 1970 NASCAR Cup Series championship crew chief. Jimmy Johnson, the seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion. Chad Knauss, also seven-time Cup Series champion crew chief. Larry Phillips, the first five-time NASCAR Weekly Series national champion. Ricky Rudd won 23 times in the Cup Series, including the 97 Brickyard 400. On the Pioneer ballot, there's Donnie Allison, 10-time NASCAR Cup Series winner and 67 Cup Series Rookie of the Year. Sam Ard, the Xfinity Series pioneer and two-time champion. A.J. Foyt won seven Cup Series races, including the 1972 Daytona 500. Banjo Matthews built cars that won more than 250 Cup Series races and three championships. And Ralph Moody, the two-time NASCAR Cup Series owner champion, as a mechanical genius of Holman Moody. The landmark award includes Janet Guthrie, the first female to keep, compete in the Cup Series Super Speedway race. Alvin Hawkins, the NASCAR's first flagman, established NASCAR racing at Bloomington Gray Stadium with Bill France Sr. Lisa France Kennedy, NASCAR Executive Vice Chair and one of the most influential women in sports. Dr. Joseph Matoli, the founder of Pocono Raceway. Les Richter, a longtime NASCAR executive, oversaw a competition and helped grow the sport on the West Coast. So that's uh, quite a list of dignitaries there uh, for the NASCAR Hall of Fame. And I'm glad I'm just a fan who gets to discuss this and not have to be one of the ones voting for that because I know that's a, a tough task. Uh, listen to anybody that talks about being on that voting committee. Uh, it's it's hard decisions to make there. First-time winners. When we look at first-time winners at New Hampshire. Uh, we talked about this in the Xfinity Series. We're going to talk about it here in the Cup Series. As new winners are always a fan favorite. And this season, we've already been gifted with one when Shane Van Gisbergen took the checkered flag at the inaugural street race in Chicago a few weeks ago. Now, as the Cup Series heads to New Hampshire Motor Speedway, that track is home to five drivers' first wins in the series, including Connecticut's own Joey Logano. He did it back in June the 28th of 2009. Clint Boyer also got his first there. Uh, September 16th, 2007. Ryan Newman was September 15th, 2002. Robbie Gordon, his first was in November 23rd in 2001. I remember that. Joe Nemechek, also his first came there on September 19th, back in 1999. Looking to this weekend at New Hampshire Motor Speedway, eight different drivers entered into the Crayon 301 are looking for their first career cup win. Harrison Burton, Ty Dillon, Ty Gibbs, Todd Dillon, Noah Gregson, Corey LaJoy, B.J. McLeod, and Ryan Priest. Okay, you also need to think about Kevin Harvick. He's looking for a record win in his final run at New Hampshire. He's a veteran now. Kevin Harvick announced this season would be his last 
full-time NASCAR Cup Series competition, making this weekend most likely his last run at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. The California neighbor is currently tied with Jeff Burton for the NASCAR Cup Series most wins at New Hampshire. And if he were to win this Sunday in the Crown 301, uh, he would solely move into the first breaking tie, breaking the tie with Burton and set the record for the most wins at the 1.058-mile track at five. Now, Harvick is currently riding a winless streak that dates back to Richmond in August of 2022. That's 31 races ago. This weekend, the 47-year-old is hoping to snap that winless streak and lock himself into the playoffs. Right now, he's ranked 12th in the postseason outlook. He's up 126 points on the playoff cut line. Harvick has made 39 starts, the series most among active drivers in New Hampshire. There he's posted four wins in 2018, 18, and 19, 14 top fives, and 23 top 10s. His average finish at the 1.058 mile track is 12.2. So, um, Maybe Harvick will make it happen this week. Well, he's going to have to go through William Byron as he takes the season a wins lead, and he will make his 200th career start at New Hampshire. Driving for Hendrick Motorsports, William Byron skyrocketed to the NASCAR Cup Series points lead following his series-leading fourth win of the season at Atlanta Motor Speedway last Sunday. Now the North Carolina native heads to New Hampshire Motor Speedway with the wind at his back as he makes his 200th career NASCAR Cup Series start. In Byron's 199 previous starts, he's earned four playoff appearances from 2019 to 2022, posted a best finish of six in the final championship standings in 2022. He's put up eight career cup wins, 34 top fives, and 73 top tens to go along with 10 poles. Byron will look to get his fifth win of the season this weekend at New Hampshire, a track where his career best finish, though, is 11th, coming in 2022. Now, NASCAR does have some history in New England. Among the six states that make up New England, Maine, Massachusetts, Vermont, Rhode Island, Connecticut, New Hampshire, the NASCAR Cup Series has competed in four of them for a total of 118 races. Uh, Hampshire Motors Speedway in Loudoun has hosted 51 Cup, 35 Xfinity, and 20 truck races, or 106 in total. Their first year there was 1990. The first year in Thompson Speedway in Connecticut was 1951, uh, and they had three Cup Series wins there that year. Also, tracks in Maine, Oxford Plains Speedway, their first race there was in 1966. They have a total of three Cup Series wins, five Xfinity wins, a total of eight combined wins at that track. And in Norwood Arena, located in Massachusetts, in the city of Norwood, uh, their first year there was 1961. They have a total of one Cup Series win at that track. Two drivers from the New England area worth watching this weekend include Team Penske's Joey Logano from Middletown, Connecticut, and Stuart Haas Racing's Ryan Priest from Berlin, Connecticut. So uh, keep your eye on those two drivers this weekend because they'd love to get a win 
out there at New Hampshire. There is a lot of history in that section, I'll tell you that. Uh, I just learned a whole lot of things. <laughs> now, the Cup Series, we're down to seven races to go. The playoffs loom as the race to the postseason heats up. With drive, When drivers and teams start doing the math, the playoff appearance isn't adding up for many unless they win over these last seven races. Got a total of 11 different drivers already secure their spot into the playoffs with the win this season, and that leaves just five spots open on points as the series heads to New Hampshire Motor Speedway this weekend. Now, eight former NASCAR Cup Series New Hampshire winners are entered this weekend, and three of them are looking to lock themselves into the playoff this season with the win. Mentioned Kevin Harvick. He's 12th in the playoff points outlook, 126 points up on the cut line. Brad Keselowski is 14th in the playoff points. He's 100 points up on the cut line. And then Eric Almarola, who is 27th in points, and he is 90 points below the cut line. We look at uh, following race number 19, the winless drivers this season. Talked about Kevin Harvick is 12th in points at 530 points, 126 to the good. Then you have Chris Busher in 13th at 5.06. That puts him 102 points up. Mentioned Brad Keselowski is 100 up at 504 points. 15th is Daniel Suarez at 407. He's three points to the good, and he's in a tie with Michael McDowell, also at 407 and three points up. That puts 17th place Bubba Wallace as three points below at 404. At four or at 394 is A.J. Allmendinger at 13 back. Then Ty Gibbs, a rookie, in 19th, 200, or 381 points is 26 back. Back is Austin Sindrick at 369. Justin Haley is at 366 and 41 back. You don't need to read Dallas. all of those. Let's just do the top 20. Okay, well, that was Sindrick was the top 20 or the 20th place. Yeah, the only one that we probably should mention there is Chase Elliott uh, that normally is up there, but he's missed a lot of races. And Maybe he is Chase currently, might. yeah, 22nd and 23rd. Uh, Alex Bowman, I know he missed a couple races. Is Bowman's got 16 races versus 19, is 44 back, and then Chase Elliott minus 60 and 23rd. Yeah. All right, three drivers dancing along the NASCAR Cup Series cut line heading into New Hampshire. Those include Trackhouse Racing's Daniel Suarez in 15th is a three to the good, along with the tie there of Front Row Motorsports' Michael McDowell, and that's that final transfer spot. Then you got Bubba Wallace from 23-11 is minus three, that first spot outside the playoffs. Behind Wallace, College Racing's A.J. Allmendinger, 13 down, Joe Gibbs minus or Joe Gibbs rookie uh, Ty Gibbs at minus 19 and 19. All five drivers from 15th to 19th in the playoff look look out outlook sorry are within striking distance of each other with just these seven races to go though in the regular season. Looking to New Hampshire, Daniel Suarez is one that has the best average finish at the 1.058 mile track among five drivers along the playoff cut line that we mentioned. Uh, Wallace is at 19.6. McDowell, I'm sorry, Almond Nigger, 
And then rookie Ty Gibbs, who's making his NASCAR Cup Series career track debut at New Hampshire this Sunday. All right. Now we're going to talk about Christopher Bell from Joe Gibbs Racing. He's going to defend last season's win. Uh, Last year, uh, Joe Gibbs Racing driver Christopher Bell uh, jump-started the season, catapulting him into the Cup Series playoffs. This year, the Oklahoma native has already locked himself into the postseason, but would still like to win and become just the fifth driver all time to win consecutive Cup Series races at the 1.058-mile track. Joining Jimmy Johnson with his 2003 sweep, Kurt Busch with a 2004 sweep, Matt Kenseth, one in the fall of 2015 and the spring of 2016, and Kevin Harvick, who won in 2018 and 19. From his first NASCAR National Series laps at New Hampshire Motor Speedway, Christopher Bell has had the knack for that uh, one-and-a-half-mile facility. He's just one of two drivers all-time to post wins in all three NASCAR National Series at New Hampshire. He goes along with Kyle Busch, uh, also do, accomplishing that feat. Bell put up a NASCAR Truck Series win at New Hampshire in 2017, then followed that up with three consecutive victories in the Xfinity Series at the track in 2018, 19, and 21. And, of course, last season he won the NASCAR Cup Series race. Bell has made three Cup Series career starts in New Hampshire, where he's posted one win, two top fives, and his average finish in those three starts is an impressive 10.3. Oops. Now, when we look at uh, the magic that happens at the Magic Mile at New Hampshire Motor Speedway, it's groundbreaking for New Hampshire International Speedway, now known as New Hampshire Motor Speedway, uh, was originally named August 13th of 1989. The 1.058 mile paved oval is located approximately on approximately 1,200 acres, and the multi-use complex is the largest sports facility in New England. Speedway Motorsports agreed to purchase the New Hampshire International Speedway from Bob and Gary Barry back on January 11th, 2008 and then renamed the track New Hampshire Motor Speedway. The first NASCAR Cup Series race at New Hampshire Motor Speedway was on July 11, 1993, won by NASCAR Hall of Famer Rusty Wallace driving for Team Penske in a Pontiac. He run it at 105.947 miles per hour in 2 hours, 59 minutes, and 45 seconds. There have been 51 NASCAR Cup Series races at Races held at New Hampshire Motor Speedway, one per year from 93 through 96, two per year from 97 to 2017, and then in 2018, the track reverted back to just one event per season. The 51 NASCAR Cup Series races at New Hampshire Motor Speedway have produced 72, or sorry, 22 different uh, pole winners and 26 different race winners. Rick Ware Racing's Ryan Newman leads the NASCAR Cup Series in poles at New Hampshire Motor Speedway with seven in 2002, three, four, six, a sweep in 11, and then again in 2013. Five of the 22 NASCAR Cup Series pole winners at New Hampshire Motor Speedway are active this season. We talked about Ryan Newman's seven. Brad Kozlowski has four. 
starting in 2010, 2013, and 14, and then 2019. Kyle Busch, 2012, 14, and 17. Martin Truex Jr. in 2017 and 2022. And Kevin Harvick in 2006. Now, NBC Sports Analyst on TV and former driver Jeff Burton in 1997, 98, 99, and 2000. And Stuart Haas Racing's Kevin Harvick in 2006, 16, 18, and 19 lead the NASCAR Cup Series in wins at New Hampshire Motor Speedway with four victories apiece. Eight of the 26 NASCAR Cup Series New Hampshire Motor Speedway winners are active this weekend. Not only Kevin Harvick with his four, but Denny Hamlin has three from 2012, 2007, I'm sorry, 2007, 2012, and then 2017. Kyle Busch has three in 2006, 15, and 17. Ryan Newman's came in 2002, 5, and 11. Brad Keselowski has a pair of 24, in 2014 and 2020, as well as Joe Legano with two in 2009 and 14. And then Christopher Bell in 2022. And the year before that, it was Eric Almarola in 2021. Now, all on-track activity begins on Saturday the 15th with practice, 12.05 to 12.50 p.m. Eastern Time. That'll be followed by the Bush Light Pole qualifying at 12.50 Eastern Time. You can catch the broadcast of, broadcast of practice and qualifying starting at 12 p.m. Eastern on the USA Network. Okay. Well, we've got an enchanting weekend ahead uh, that's awaiting the Cup Series at the New Hampshire Manic Magic Mile. When it comes to events for the Cup Series uh, 23 schedule, that could shake up the playoff standings as the postseason approaches look no further than this weekend at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Not only is the unique track a one-of-a-kind on the cup schedule, but it's also produced a large number of long-shot winners starting outside the top 20. And for three of the last four winners at the track, the victory was the catalyst to earning their spot into the playoffs. Kevin Harvick in 19, Eric Almarola in 21, and Christopher Bell in 2022. So if you're saying long shots have a chance, you bet. A NASCAR Cup Series drivers have started outside the top 20 and went on to win the race at New Hampshire 10 different times, or 19.6 of the total races. New Hampshire is tied with Charlotte for the third most winners starting outside the top 20 in the Cup Series with 10 each, behind only Daytona International Speedway with 14 and Richmond with 12. The 21 New Hampshire winners, Stuart House Racing's Eric Alamarola, started from the 22nd position, and with 11 different winners this season, New Hampshire Motor Speedway could very well stir up some magic and produce a 12th different winner. Heading into this weekend at New Hampshire, 10 of the 19 winners from last season are still looking for their first victory. Chase Elliott, Kevin Harvick, Bowman, Sendrick, Austin Dillon, Bubba Wallace, Chase Briscoe, Busher, Suarez, and Jones. Of the 10 drivers that won last season that are looking for their first win this year, Kevin Harvick is the only former winner at New Hampshire in the Cup Series this Sunday. 
Harvick leads all active drivers and wins at the track with those four victories we talked about. And a victory this weekend would not only ensure his path to the playoffs for the 17th time in his career, but he would also become the sole wins leader in the Cup Series at New Hampshire, breaking that tie with Jeff Burton. For So we'll look for some magic at New Hampshire this weekend. Jay, do you want to do an update on our fantasy group? As we bridge over to hot topics. Well, the question I think would be if if you want me to, uh, uh, I think we both took a hit again this weekend, Sharon. Yeah, I did. That's okay. Let's start with the truck series. Overall now, uh, Tommy has the points lead at 75 points. Sam is at 70. Sharon, 60. Andy, 58. I'm at 57. Mike, 53, Brian, 52, James, 47, and Owen, 45. So a 30-point difference there, top to bottom. Whoops, on the Xfinity. Sharon here, we've got good news. You lead the Xfinity series at 88 points. Got a five-point lead over Andy at 83. James is at 74. Brian, 72. Um, Myself at 69. Mike, 66. Tommy, 60. Sam, 57, and Owen, 54. Only a 33-point difference there. On the cup side, James is still managing to hold on. It's just not as big a lead. He's got 118 points. Sam is now up to 109. Tommy right behind him at 106. I'm at 103. Owen's at 100. Brian at 95. Mike, 91. Sharon at 82. And Andy at 74. So that one's at a 44-point gap. The overall, though, is really interesting. Uh, Tommy took the overall lead, 241 points. Now two ahead of James at 239. Mike is right there. I'm sorry, Sam is right there at 236. Sharon, 230. Myself, 229. And we drop down to Brian at 219. Andy, 215. Mike, 210. And Owen at 199. So overall, only 42-point difference over the three series. So nine players this year has been a lot of fun and really interesting. (laughs) Yes, it has been. It's been pretty tough, too. Um, Okay, Jay, it's just going to be you and I for the NASCAR Hot Topics uh, for this week. Since we're doing this podcast, a lot of the guys are working. So you and I will hold down the fort. Where do you want to start? with Hot Topic Sound Off? Well, uh, let's let's start with the Hall of Fame. I know Mike can put that one up. We, we saw that Chad Knauss and Jimmy Johnson were added this year. Um, so we'll start there. Okay. I know uh, his comment was another year of waiting for anyone not named Johnson and Knauss. Uh I know the big question is whether or not they'll uh, – put both of them in at the same time. Uh, There might be an effort to uh, kind of break that up a little bit and not focus on just that one team. Uh, But I think both of them are certainly worthy of a first vote. Uh, But there's some other drivers on here that are are certainly worthy as well. I just don't know that any of them have the seven championships uh, under their belt, uh, which kind of stands... uh, 
both Jimmy Johnson and Chad Knauss above the others. What are your thoughts? Yeah, and that's what I was listening to. Uh, I did a lot of driving today, so I was listening to Sirius, F- Sirius XM, um, all three different shows throughout the day. It, it's tough to not put them in. Uh, I think everybody kind of uh, was in agreement they're going to both go in as first-time ballots. Their discussion was actually about whether or not it would be unanimous when it comes to Chad Knauss and Jimmy Johnson. I mean, you talk about Hall of Fame worthy, seven championships, uh, five consecutive, both record-breaking or record-tying. Um, I understand fans of saying that you know they shouldn't go in together. Uh, the crews on this Sirius XM throughout the, the day all seem to feel that they really did. I mean, you know, it wasn't one or the other. It was the combination. But as you mentioned, there are a couple others here, though, that I think are just as worthy. And, and this is where I said earlier, to be on that voting panel, um, when you talk about that, though Dave Moody is one that I've heard say it, Kyle Petty, it's not a matter of whether or not they deserve to be in. It is a matter of who deserves to be in more, you know, and at what time period, uh, which is really tough to differentiate because it's not like you have a black and white. You've got to win this number of races or this number of championships. But I think when you look at Chad Knauss and Jimmy Johnson, uh, seven championships together, I believe 80-some wins. I don't have that statistic um, readily available as far as total number of wins for uh, Jimmy Johnson, but it's up there. I don't see how you can deny it. Yeah, I am in total agreement there. I think uh, the fact that they've got those seven championships kind of has both of them kind of apart from everybody else. Uh, Not that the others are not worthy. They certainly are. Uh, But none of them have seven championships under their belt. And uh, that's what makes Jimmy Johnson and Chad Knauss stand apart from all the rest. Um, so I I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what the panel does. They might disagree with us uh, and the SiriusXM uh, group, but uh, uh, we'll have to wait and see how they vote because that's going to be uh, where the decision is made. Now, there is a fan vote. If fans want to go to NASCAR.com slash Hall of Fame, uh, they can vote, uh, you know, and have their say-so in what happens here as well. Well, and from from our reading earlier here, uh, to me the even harder one is the Pioneer ballot. Um, Donnie Allison, Sam Ard, A.J. Foyt, Banjo Matthews, and Ralph Moody. Uh, again, learned so much there. Uh, Banjo Matthews, 250 NASCAR Cup Series races and three championships under cars he built. Uh, Ralph Moody, two-time NASCAR Cup Series owner, uh, champion, and the mechanical genius behind Holman Moody. Sam Ard, uh, it says NASCAR Xfinity Series pioneer. I don't even know if that is the most uh, correct term for him. And I didn't know Donnie Allison had run the uh, Indianapolis 500, uh, talking about doing the, the double, um, going back to already at Donnie Allison of the Alabama game, so... Uh, tough decisions to be made there. And, again, it's not a matter of if they deserve it or not. It's who deserves it more when. Exactly right. There's also the Landmark Award with Janet Guthrie, Alvin Hawkins, Lisa France Kennedy, Dr. Joseph Matoli, Russ Richter. Uh, that's going to be a tough decision as well. 
again, everybody certainly worthy. Just who is it that uh, the panel feels is most worthy at this point in time? I can't wait to find out who's who is chosen. Um, let the the fan vote is currently open and will close on July 30th at 12 a.m. Um, the voting panel is going to meet in person to discuss and vote on that class of 23, uh, the landmark award on August the 2nd. There's a 61-person pa- panel uh, that's going to uh, vote then on uh, the rest of it. And I'll tell you what, it, you're right. I'd hate to be one of those people because this is going to be a very tough choice. Well, and one of the things I look at, and I know it's even hard for me to do it, I'm aware of it and still have a tough time doing it, is for me, just for example, of the ones I'm for, more familiar with and the impact they've had on the sport during my era um, of watching and being a NASCAR fan, you've got to go back and look at, though, realistically of the impact these people had. And if, you're, if they weren't in your time era of watching, the impact they had uh, in their era, you know, when you talk about a pioneer, especially. Um, so that's where I, I think the panel they have, I think is an excellent panel of people that have been in the sport long term and have that full breadth of not just what's happening now, uh, currently, but also what has happened to get us here. So, uh, again, I'm glad I'm not on the panel truthfully. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both. Okay. Where do we go next? Well, I know Mike uh, put this one up as well. Um, I don't know if he had any comments with it, actually, though. doesn't look like it. Uh, been a rumor for a while. Uh, I, don't, I guess we finally say it's official, although we've all known it. Bush Light sponsorship is leaving Stuart Haas Racing for track house and the number one of uh, Ross Chastain. Yeah, you're right. This has been rumored for a while, and uh, they've made it official now. Uh, You know, Kevin Harvick has that sponsorship now, and uh, that sponsor is now going to move over to Trackhouse Racing. With the retirement of Kevin Harvick, I don't think they could have chosen a better person to take over that sponsorship than Ross Chastain. I think it's a good choice. And uh, I think they'll probably have a very long-standing relationship uh, together at Trackhouse Racing. So uh, what are your thoughts, Jay? Well, this is one I look at, and a lot of sponsors we see with are, are tied to individuals. Um, I know that Bush, uh, Anheuser-Busch followed Kevin Harvick from Richard Childress Racing over to Stuart Haas Racing. I was reading some on this earlier I believe from 2011 is when they've sponsored Kevin Harvick, followed him over to Stuart Haas Racing. They like the marketing brand of the driver, the individual. And you're right. I think it matches up well with Ross Chastain as the new face then um, as far as a NASCAR driver. Uh, it's very unfortunate, though, and I watched a little bit of the uh, interview and then an article written about the impact, though, this has on Stuart Haas Racing. They're losing Kevin Harvick. They're losing Anheuser-Busch. Um, they haven't exactly been on top of their game. They don't have sponsorship necessarily to back Josh Berry yet, uh, as far as I know. So it's really putting a hurt on Stuart Haas Racing, and I just hope it doesn't uh, completely derail that team. 
Yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, the good news for uh, track house racing is certainly bad news for Stuart Haas racing, and they have been struggling. And this this is not going to help their situation. Uh, I'd like to think that there's uh, some really smart people working at Stuart Haas Racing that are working on sponsorship for Josh Berry, and. Uh, that they'll get that tied up uh, before too long here, and we'll hear some good news along those lines. Uh, but they need a really strong sponsorship to replace a sponsor like Bush Light. Uh, Bush does a lot of promotions and and uh, fan engagement uh, with NASCAR, and uh, they bring a lot of money to the table, uh, just <laughs> to say the least. Uh, but... Um, uh, It's going to be tough, I think, for Stuart Haas Racing to have one sponsor that can step into their shoes. I think it's probably going to take uh, two or three or maybe even four different sponsors in order to fill the bush light shoes that are being left behind at um, Stuart Haas. Well, and we saw that even with uh, Kevin Harvick uh, as the point man, uh, I don't have the numbers as far as how many races uh, Bush was on with them, but he had multiple sponsors. You know, we talk about it. Even Denny Hamlin. I know FedEx is the longest reigning one sponsor car as far as the FedEx machine with Joe Gibbs Racing. Uh, I believe they have a new sponsor this weekend, actually, with Denny Hamlin. Um, you just don't see that anymore. So teams are really going to have to find, I know we went through that with Kyle Busch uh, and M&M's, as at least a primary covering the majority of races, whereas Richard Childress then had to put together a bunch of three to five race deals. Um, you know, we, we're seeing that take effect and how it is moving forward, not just at, at the team level, but also at the NASCAR Premier Series. We don't have an overall title sponsor anymore. So teams need to adjust to that and be able to pitch that, whether it be, hey, you know, uh, Anheuser-Busch, obviously, we're, we're talking about them. One of the races they're obviously, I'm sure, going to want to be involved in is St. Louis, you know. So marketing it of, hey, if you, you can get you on as a sponsor, we'll give you these specific re- races in regions that are uh, hometown or important to you or maybe even looking to break into new markets and break it up that way. So you're right. It's going to take some smart people. Uh, you know, Josh Berry is one. I think there's different ways you could approach that. I'm sure they're working very diligently on it, as well as, as mentioned, uh, finding replacements, one or more, for for, uh, Anheuser-Busch. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I don't have a whole lot more to say here, uh, Jay, so why don't we uh, go ahead and go to our next set topic. All right. What else we got here? Well, this one, I know, uh, I think we're going to have to revisit on Monday or the next time Andy and uh, Mike are both... uh, together here. I know Mike at least has some comments on this one. Um, Jordan Bianchi reported that Spire and LaJoy were close to announcing a long-term deal. Uh, Corey LaJoy and Spire Motorsports working on a on finalizing a multi-year contract. Uh, it's expected to be completed within the coming weeks. Now it's from Jordan Bianchi. Okay. <laughs> Do you want to cover Mike's comments? Oh. Yeah, it was again. It was he said he wanted to get into it with uh, with Andy based on the fact that Lejoy is well ahead of in points of all SHR drivers not named Kevin Harvick. Uh, 
um, is what their back and forth was, I guess. Okay. Uh, so what are your – my thoughts on it is I think LaJoy has probably earned a long-term deal. He tried that out with uh, Hendrick Motorsports. I don't think it went the way he wanted it to go with Hendrick Motorsports when he stood in. Uh, and so I think finalizing a deal with uh, Spire Motorsports is the right move for Corey LaJoy. Uh, he's done well there. He's had uh, several runs uh, at the front uh, with that organization, and I think they can continue to build uh, Corey LaJoy at Spire Motorsports. For me, I think it's a good move. From from the team, I certainly think so. I, I'll get to this in a minute, but I think there's some more things to come down the line. We talked about this, though, with some of the personnel they're putting in place, um, some of the uh, people there that, that they've been hiring. When it comes to Corey LaJoy, I know his name came up for, for example, the Kevin Harvick replacement at Stuart Haas Racing. He only had the one race where he filled in at Hendrick Motorsports. But just the fact that Hendrick Motorsports was willing to give him that opportunity tells you that there other teams are at least aware of his talent and what he's doing with Spire Motorsports. Um, so for them, I think it is a good thing because as you build on that, if you lose that stability of the driver, not that you're necessarily starting back over at square one, but it's definitely a setback when you have to change drivers. Yes. So, yeah, exactly right. That's why the continuity and the consistency of keeping Corey Joy is, is a really positive thing for Spire Motorsports. I think it's also a positive thing for Corey Joy, though. I think that consistency is important for him to continue his uh, growth as a race car driver. And uh, I think the partnership uh, between the driver and the team is a good one. So why break that up? Uh, don't don't mess with anything that's working. And uh, this one's working. So let's leave it alone and let them continue to grow. And and that's the interesting point I wanted to bring up. Of uh, yeah, you say okay, what could he do in better equipment such as Hendrick Motorsports or Stuart Haas Racing? But again, you're coming into a new system, a new organization. Um, you might not see that right away, and it could actually hurt your career. Whereas right now, Spire Motorsports is certainly on the uprise, and Corey Joy has been a part of building that, especially at particular tracks, such as Atlanta Motor Speedway. You mentioned some good finishes. Um, he was so close to winning that one, uh, I believe it was last year. So I think it is a good thing to uh, continue to build on that. And the one intriguing thing, and you might want to do this as a separate hot topic if we hear any more about it, but uh, last weekend at Mid-Ohio in the truck series, Marco Andretti was in the Spire Motorsports uh, number seven truck. There's been talk that Andretti wants to get involved in NASCAR. A partnership with Spire Motorsports might be the way to go. So the people they've been putting in place, keeping Corey LaJoy long-term, might draw some interest. The other one, I think is a possibility uh, when you talk about partners is junior motorsports. Uh, there's more talk about them and how they want to be at the cup level, but they're not going to cover 30 million for a charter, whatever the price is right now. Again, a partnership of joint venture at least gets them in at, at some level. 
And I think Spire Motorsports would appreciate that. So this might be part of a bigger plan, and we're only seeing little steps right now. Well, that's a good point, Jay. And it would be good to see Marco Andretti uh, come over to the Cup Series. The one thing that I've seen, and I think uh, Mike mentioned this as well, uh, is that Marco Andretti has not found the success I think he was looking for in the IndyCar Series. So the big question here is, is it possible for him to be successful in the NASCAR Cup Series? Sometimes that's all it takes is maybe he's in the wrong series and he needs to move over to NASCAR to find the success that he's looking for. So we'll have to see how it plays out. Uh, But, yeah, I've left this one open that we can uh, bring it up again uh, next week if the guys want to continue to talk about that. So some good points, though, Jay. Well, and I say, I think there, I feel like there is, is more to come. Um, while we're talking about the charter and Dale Jr., I know it, with the television deal and the charter system, those are both up for review as to whether or not they're going to continue with them. The TV deal is what kind of package comes forward, what percentage the team owners get. So I think over the next year or two, we may not see a whole lot of things happen because we want to wait and see, or the teams want to wait and see where everything falls. Following mm-hmm. those two announcements, uh, then we might see more of what, what we might expect as far as new teams or ownership partnerships and et cetera. Exactly. Okay. Uh, I guess the only other topic that we have here that hasn't been discussed yet, let me see if I can find it here again. Uh, it's the, uh, oh, Toby Christie announced today that he is merging with Racing America. So the Race Team Alliance's uh, digital media site, Race at Racing America, has a new partnership with TobyChristie.com and is bringing on Toby Christie as the new editor-in-chief. The sites will share resources, personnel, etc. cetera. Uh, and, uh, again, that was reported by Adam Stern on Twitter. Uh, your thoughts there. We know Matt... Um, all of a sudden, I can't think of his name. Matt Weaver. Was, uh, Matt Weaver was at Racing America. He moved over to Short Track Scene and is now uh, with Sportsnet. Uh, what are your thoughts about Toby Christie stepping into those shoes? If you don't follow Toby Christie, I, I think you should. And again, you know that we use Racing America as one of our sites to to pull from to give the fans information here from Fan for Racing. Uh, I see it as two positives coming together, so I don't see why the combination wouldn't be a, an even better thing. Again, there may be some uh, hiccups or transitions. Um, you got two different, maybe, how do I want to say it, um, viewpoints on the way they do things come together, come to find that compromise and move forward. But overall, I think it's a great thing. I, I appreciate and love both of those as far as individual sites or people to follow. So, yeah, I see nothing but positive, uh, at least at this point, um, <laughs> unless they can't find a compromise, I guess, would be the only issue. Yeah, I think Toby Christie is a great choice. He's a grassroots uh, kind of guy. Uh, he started his own website and, and what he's done in the media from the grassroots, and for him to cover grassroots racing I think is a perfect fit. Uh, so I'm excited about Toby Christie being at Racing America, and uh, I think we'll see some interesting things happen there. 
And that, and that's a good point, Sharon. I, maybe that's why I've always been drawn to, to following him is, is some of the stuff he does share that maybe others don't when it comes to the grassroots um, but as well as Racing America does. And that's why I say I see, I see nothing but upside to it. And we talk about with drivers or crew chiefs or anything of others seeing the value, the fact that Racing America said, hey, can we work together? They see the value. And Toby Christie seeing the value in the platform of Racing America. Uh, you know, they respect that of each other. So, again, why not try and build something even better? Absolutely. So I think it's a good thing. Uh, Toby Christie is a uh, very talented uh, media person. He's familiar with uh, not just the NASCAR uh, drivers, but he's he's very familiar with a lot of these uh, uh, short tracks and dirt tracks and drivers that uh, are out there at the local home track level. And uh, I think he's going to going to do a very good job uh, over at Racing America and changing his website with Racing America. I, I think I think it's a win-win-win all the way around. I would I would have to agree with that at this point uh, for sure. Okay, is there anything else you think we need to discuss here? I don't see anything else no. on our teams list. Yeah, I was going going all the way down the uh, down the list, and we've either covered them or uh, again, there's uh, several that are kind of hinging on what comes next that we don't know yet, but we can hit those. And again, I say I think Mike uh, and Andy might want to chime in on a couple of these come Monday, so I think we can leave it at that as far as you and I can just kind of recap. Um, then again, I might want to argue with Mike a little bit. We'll have to see what he has to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's always a fun effort uh, when we don't agree. Uh, sometimes we get very passionate, but uh, the thing that I like about our Fan for Racing crew is even though we get very passionate about things sometimes, and sometimes we disagree, uh, we still remain uh, respectful of one another, and I think that's uh, really, really important. So I, I really uh, admire our group here, and uh, I can't wait for the guys to join us again on Monday. Now, do you want to kind of talk about uh, what we're looking at doing with our Thursday night show here to kind of wrap this up so that fans know what to expect from us on Thursdays? Well, I know we have discussed it, and I, th- I know I saw Tommy chime in of – Thursdays, uh, again, with schedules and what we all got going on, maybe doing the regular podcast like this on a Thursday afternoon. Uh, I'm pretty flexible either way, but I know some days it works out. Today, actually, this afternoon, uh, got a lot tighter than I thought it was going <laughs> to coming back from Tuscaloosa, but um, I think I walked in the door to set up here. What did I message you? Like three minutes to go. But we're, we might look at for doing that for maybe the rest of the season or on a case-by-case basis, but We'll see how that goes and affects the numbers and what fans think. I know you said it might be easier to get more interviews of during the day versus at night, which I know some of the drivers that's very uh, important as far as family time. So we'll test it out and see how it goes. Yeah, I think what we're we're going to be thinking about doing uh, beginning on Thursday, June, July the 20th, which is next week, 
uh, is we're going to try doing the podcast schedule, uh, but the schedule won't be the time that we did today. Uh, it would be more of a schedule that starts at uh, 11.30. Well, we don't have to give you the time. We know the time. But we'd probably do a morning podcast uh, and then put that out in the afternoon on Thursday so that uh, fans will actually get to uh, see our Thursday preview show actually earlier uh, than they would normally see it if we continue to do the live broadcast on on uh, Thursday evenings. So I think because we've had so many scheduling conflicts this year, uh, I think Thursday is the perfect day for us to try out doing the podcast uh, programming uh, versus the live broadcast programming. And we'll see how it goes this season and if we want to continue it next season. Um, and there might be times that we we go to the Thursday night uh, programming just because the schedule calls for it. But uh, it'll be the isolated situation versus the norm. I, I think for right now, for this season, uh, it seems the podcast might work out the best for us, the morning podcast, so that we can put it out there in the afternoon. Uh, the one drawback is that those uh, folks that work during the day, uh, like Tommy, probably won't be able to join us on Thursdays. However, uh, Tommy still said he would be available for the Monday night podcast uh, if we need him there. Uh, but on the positive side, I think we might be able to get um, Jay involved, not Jay, but Brian involved. So I think that would be a good thing, too, uh, getting Brian more involved with our hot topics on a week-to-week basis. We'll have to see how that goes, uh, even if it's for a limited part of the show. Uh, but with that, I think we're ready to call it a day here at Bamford Racing Radio, Jay. Uh, do you want to give your uh, sign-off info, and then we'll we'll uh, just call it a day? Well- one one thing I wanted to hit on here, and it tied into that, made me think of it, and I can't believe we didn't have it either up on Hot Topics or not, but tonight today is a good example to have the preview done. I know we didn't specifically preview it, but tonight on Thursday nights, uh, the SRX series starts their six-week run on yeah. ESPN, correct? Do I have that correct. right? Um, that I, is correct. I know their first we'll race is tonight. Yeah. Now. Yeah, we'll have to make sure make a note we include that in our previews. We're winding down here. We might go off the air, uh, but uh, just know that it's just going to be a few minutes that uh, you might miss there. But uh, we'll we'll make sure we put that on for the future, Jay. Yeah, I just I don't know what made me think of it. I know I did earlier, but anyway, you can follow me on Facebook, Michael Hoosman, MoparMJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. As I said, unfortunately, Magnolia Motor Speedway, home of the Black Ice here in Columbus, already rained out. As of this point, the hot shot shootout at your Capital City Raceway, Jackson Motor Speedway, is still on, but we have weather in the area. Jackson's only three hours from here, so we'll have to wait and see. But if uh, weather holds off, I'll be there for the hot shot shootout, third annual hot shot shootout. Okay, and Jay, um, thank you for being available today. I know it was a schedule, but we appreciate the effort uh, to get this in. And uh, I'm Fan for Racing uh, site on Twitter, Fan for Racing blog and radio, 
at the website as well as Facebook. And a big shout-out to our listeners for tuning in. Uh, let us know if you like the podcast programming that we're putting out for you on Thursdays and whether we should continue to do it this way or not. And we'll look forward to seeing you guys uh, back here again on Monday night for our review of the weekend of racing. With that, we'll call it a day. All right. Have a good day and enjoy the race weekend there in New Hampshire or anywhere else you can get to a track. Okay, everybody. See you on the other side. Enjoy your race weekend. Good night. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.